this is my second message on uh, on the devil, and uh, today I want to talk about Satan's objectives. I've, I've entitled this sermon, A Lady, a Baby, and a Red Dragon. Uh, in fact, this is the whole reason I preached this series of sermons on the devil. It was it was because of this passage and, uh, and the title of this sermon, A Lady, a Baby, and a Red Dragon. How do you take that and couple it with Mother's Day? Well, if you will hang with me till the end, all right? Uh, we will make the connection. I'd like to read Revelation chapter 12 to you, the first 11 verses. You can follow in your Bible or watch on the screen behind me, or you can just listen. Here's what the Bible says in Revelation chapter 12, verse 1. Now a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a garland of 12 stars. And being with child, she cried out, in labor and in pain to give birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems on his heads. His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. She bore a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up to God and his throne. Then the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God that they should feed her there for 1,260 days. And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon and the dragon and his angels fought. But they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of His Christ has come. For the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. And they overcame Him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to the death. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I pray that it would speak to our hearts and challenge our lives right now. Lord, as I speak on the outside, would you please speak on the inside? Would you do something special, something only you can do in the lives and hearts of men, women, boys, and girls here today? And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, this passage in Revelation 12 is difficult, but it is not impossible for us to understand. So what I'd like to do this morning is give you a brief interpretation of the symbolisms here as I understand them. And then I would like to spotlight the three objectives I believe Satan has for himself and for world history. The three symbolic figures in this passage are these. There is a lady or a woman with a crown of 12 stars. There is an angry red dragon. And of course, there is a baby. I believe the woman, the lady, is the nation of Israel. 
The child represents none other than our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And that angry red dragon, well, he's the devil. So keep that in mind as we go back and look at verse 1. Now a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a garland of twelve stars. Israel is often pictured in the Old Testament as the bride of Jehovah. The twelve stars on the crown on her head represent the twelve tribes of Israel. And what does this passage tell us about the nation of Israel? Verse 2. Then being with child, she cried out in labor and in pain. Ladies, can you say amen to that? All right? She cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. And she did give birth. She gave birth to a male child, the Messiah, Jesus Christ. He was of Jewish descent. He was a product of the lineage of Israel. But what happened? Well, the devil pictured here symbolically as this angry red dragon wanted to destroy that child. Verse 4, His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. She bore a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up to God and to His throne. Now this passage goes on to explain to us that Jesus, after His earthly ministry, ascended back to heaven's throne. But in the future, He's going to come back the second time to receive His own, His bride, the church. But in the meantime, the devil, having failed to destroy the Messiah, is seeking to deceive the entire earth. Verse 9 says, So the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And for our purpose today, I want us to discover the three objectives that this passage attributes to that angry red dragon, the devil. I believe they are chronological. Satan had an original goal. When that plan failed, he went to plan number two. And when objective number two failed, he went to plan number three. So what are the three objectives of the devil? Well, we saw last week, number one, that his first objective is to overthrow the throne of God. In verse 4 of Revelation 12, it says, His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them down to the earth. If you can remember back to last Sunday, can, you, can we remember that far back? We, we talked about the origin of the devil, didn't we? Where the devil actually came from. And the Bible tells us in two Old Testament passages that in the beginning of creation, God made Lucifer as the greatest of all the angels. The model of perfection. The Bible says he was full of wisdom and beauty. He was a thing of splendor. An archangel. A cherubim. Who was to guard the throne and the holiness of God. He was a number one. He was the top dog in heaven. But his heart became proud. In fact, we learned last week that that is actually where sin began. 
Some of you think sin started in Genesis chapter 3 when Adam and Eve sinned. No, sin started in heaven with Lucifer. And the first sin that exposed itself to mankind was the sin of pride. He became full of himself. He thought he was all of it. He lusted after the throne of God and he rebelled against heaven. According to Isaiah 14, he said, I will ascend into heaven. I will raise my throne above the throne of God. I will make myself like the Most High. As he led a rebellion against the Almighty God. And according to verse 4, a third of the angels in heaven joined his revolt. They were all cast down to the earth like falling stars. Lucifer became the devil and his angels became demons. They occupy hell at the present time and they plunder this earth with their destruction. 2 Peter 2.4 says, God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment. Jude verse 6 says, And the angels who did not keep their proper domain, but left their own abode, he has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of that great day. So coming to earth, Satan spread his revolt. He bit and infected Adam and Eve and all of humanity. We all became infected by his rebellious, prideful spirit. But something else happened there in the Garden of Eden. God promised to send a Redeemer. In Genesis 3.15, God promised that a descendant of Eve would crush the serpent's head. That was Jesus he was talking about. He was going to send his Messiah, the Redeemer. Suddenly, Satan's objective changed. Having failed in his attempt to overthrow God, he determined that he would destroy this Redeemer. Verse 4, And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour the child as soon as it was born. Folks, that's pretty graphic, but let me tell you, that is an accurate account of the hatred that Satan vented towards the lineage of the life of Jesus Christ. He did everything in his power to snuff out the Messiah. And that leads me to Satan's second objective, to destroy God's Messiah. You can read the Old Testament several ways and interpret it with different slants. One way that you can read the Old Testament story is that it is a story of the devil's attempt to destroy the bloodline of God's Messiah. As soon as God promised a Redeemer in Genesis 3.15, Satan sought to destroy the lineage of Jesus Christ. He ruined the heart of Cain, provoking him to kill his righteous brother Abel. But God raised up Seth to continue the lineage of the Messiah. Satan then sowed wickedness in the earth so that all of humanity was destroyed by a horrible flood. But the Bible says... Noah found grace in the eyes of God. The devil then provoked Esau to kill Jacob through whom the Messiah would come. But God saved Jacob. Satan then provoked Pharaoh 
to kill all the male babies of the Jews, but God spared the life of little Moses. During the kingdom days, there was attempt after attempt to destroy the line of Christ, but in every instance, God protected the messianic bloodline. For example, according to Second Chronicles 22, the evil queen mother, Athaliah, attempted to destroy the entire royal family of the house of Judah. It appeared that the bloodline of Christ had been extinguished, but somebody took the baby Prince Joash and hid him for six years in the temple. During those six long years, the whole purpose of God in the promised seed rested in the tiny life of this little prince. When at last the Christ child was born, Satan stood there like an angry red dragon ready to devour him. He moved Herod to slaughter all the baby boys of Bethlehem, but God protected the life of his son. Then when Christ was older, Satan appeared to him in the wilderness to tempt him to sin. Then he tried to get the people of Nazareth to throw Jesus off the top of a high cliff. Then he provoked the Pharisees to stone him. But miraculously, Christ survived every single brush with death. Then on a dark Friday afternoon, about 3 p.m., after centuries of trying, Satan finally achieved his objective, or so it would seem. He beat and broke the life of the promised Messiah. He laughed as Christ was whipped. He grinned with every blow of the hammer. He sneered at the groans that shattered through the trembling lips of Christ. He delighted with every drop of blood which fell from our Lord's contorted body. He smiled as the stiffened Son of God was pulled from the nails and buried in a hole. All hell rejoiced for three days. But Satan didn't understand that the death of Christ sealed his own defeat. Let me tell you one thing the devil hadn't counted on. And that was Easter. <laughs> Not at all. And when Jesus Christ rose from the dead, Satan was enraged beyond measure. He was insane with fury. He immediately began having Christians fed to the lions, flogged with whips, slain with swords, and burned at the stakes. The history of the church has flowed red with the blood of the saints. Lucifer has been doing everything possible to destroy the people of God and condemn this world. And that leads us to his third objective. Satan wants to take as many people to hell with him as he can. Verse 9 and verse 12, So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Now verse 12. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, but he knows 
He only has a short time. The Bible teaches that God prepared hell as a place of torment and punishment, not for people, but for the devil and his demons. Matthew 25, 41 tells us though, He will also say to those on his left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Hell is real. It's the abode of the devil. You know what? He's trying to drag you in there with him. Have you ever been at a swimming hole or a swimming pool and, and somebody's standing there at the edge and, and you run up and you, you push them in? But as soon as you push them in, they turn around and grab you by the arm or the leg and drag you in the water with them. Any, anybody? Can you relate to that? Yeah, that happened to you or seen it happen? Well, in graphic terms, that's exactly what the devil is trying to do. His objective is to grab as many people as he can and pull them into hell after him. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4 gives us a warning. The God of this age, that's the devil, has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Let me tell you something, church. Satan is working overtime to blind the minds of people. He wants to blind you from the truth. And as soon as he blinds you, he's going to bite you. He makes his way so inviting, so appealing, so good. But it is the way of death, destruction, and doom. It, it may be that you're here this morning and you've heard the gospel many times. You've sat in church services like this and listened to a preacher preach. You've heard this over and over again but you're still not a Christian. You're still not living for Jesus. Or you know what? It could be that you are a Christian. You have believed, but you know you're not living right. I, I, would, I, I, would, I would shudder to know the number of people that are in churches today who feel that description. I, I read a story about a minister who dreamed that he was carried to hell to observe a meeting of Satan and his demons. They had assembled to devise ways of damning the souls of men and women. One of the demons stood up and said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to the earth and I'm going to tell people that the Bible is, is a lie, that it's false, it's a fable, and that Christianity is a hoax. As he sat down, he was greeted by loud cheers of approval from his fellow demons. Another one stood up and said, here's what I'll do. I'll build thousands of bars and nightclubs. I'll fill and flood the land with liquor and drugs. As he sat down, there was a roar of applause. A third demon stood and said, I will cause missionaries' planes to crash and, and their boats to sink, and I will stir up opposition in churches. All hell roared. Then another demon stood up who was much wiser than the rest. He surprised them when he said, Comrades, here's what I'll do. I'll go to church with them every Sunday. I'll sit beside them in the pew and I will tell them that everything in the Bible is true. I'll tell them there is a God, there is a Savior, there is a heaven, and there is a hell. But then I'll whisper in their ear, you don't need to worry right now because you've got plenty of time. You know what the Bible says? The day is the day of salvation. 
right now is the time to call. If you've never given your life to Jesus, you need to do it today. Because hell is real. And the devil wants to destroy you. Make you spend eternity with you. So preacher, why did you preach that sermon today on Mother's Day? Why in the world did you talk about a lady, a baby, and a mean red dragon? Well, I can tell you this. This whole series pivoted on this day and this sermon. You know how great you are, ladies. And I don't have to tell you how wonderful our mothers are. They are, aren't they? Our mamas are awesome. You're great ladies. You know what, ladies? I, I think you just look around our world. Somebody's dropping the ball. And somebody is. I know there's a lot of deadbeat dads. But ladies, really, are, are we taking this as seriously as we should? I know mamas love their babies. I don't care if their babies are three years old or 53 years old. Mamas love their babies. Mamas love their kids and grandkids, don't you? You ever heard the term, mama bear? We talk about that all the time around our house. All the mama bears who are protecting their little cubs. You don't mess with their babies. Mama bear be after you. Yeah. We do. We love them. Can I tell you something, ladies? If you really love your babies, really love your kids and grandkids, you're not only going to tell them the truth in the Bible, that Jesus loves them and the devil hates them, you're not just going to tell them that. You're going to live that. And you're going to do everything in your power to teach them the truth so that they come to Jesus Christ and they spend eternity in heaven. In fact, you're going to make that your number one objective in life. Teach your kids the truth. Because here's the deal. Mamas, if you don't do it, who will? Well, that's why we bring them to church. No, you've got that wrong, guys. The church was never instituted by God to raise your children. The church was called into existence to come alongside of you as parents and assist you and enable you and support you and help you to do the job God gave you to do. And that is to raise your children in the fear of God. Mamas, if you don't love your babies, who's going to? If you don't pray for your children, who will? And families, I can't think of a better time to start that practice than right here today. So I'm going to invite you to come as family units, moms and dads and even kids, and pray for each other. Pray that God would protect you. I, I pray all the time that God would, would, uh, would protect my family. I pray a hedge of protection around them, Russ. And I know God does. So would you do that for your family today? Heavenly Father, we pray right now that you would speak to hearts as only you can. Lord, there's someone in this room.